Okay, uh, let's turn to Hebrews 10. Today we're going to talk about the ABCs of faith. The just shall live by faith. So, um, let me get all my things together here. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 38. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Let's say this out loud together. The just shall live by faith. One more time. The just shall live by faith. Now this statement is found three other times in the Bible. Habakkuk 2.4. But the just shall live by his faith. Romans 1.17 For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Galatians 3.11 but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. So do you think God's trying to tell us something here? <laughs> He's trying to get a message over to us. Let's say that together again. The just shall live by faith. Now we have a similar Verse 2 Corinthians 5 7, for we walk by faith and not by sight. So that's very, very similar in nature. So, first of all, let's, let's talk about, or let's just mention what faith is not. Faith is not uh, a theological position, or a, uh, it's not like the tenets or beliefs. Uh, of a denomination, uh, you know, of a particular denomination. Uh, when some people hear the word faith, they think uh, Hindu faith, Muslim faith, Buddhist faith, Mormon faith, what, you know, that's not what Bible faith is. Faith is not uh, belonging to a, a group or a movement. It's not a fad. Uh, it's not you know, some movement that gains popularity for a few years and then it fizzles out. It's not a formula, but it's a lifestyle of believing and responding and speaking in order to change things that are seen and bring them into agreement with God's word, which is God's will. This is God's will written down on paper. So anything we find here we can lay hold of it. We don't have to question it, and we don't question it. Amen? So faith is not passive. Uh, it's an aggressive force. Faith, it fights, and it resists, and it breaks through the opposition. It, it's an aggressive force. Faith is not just positive thinking although it will have a, a positive effect on your mind. 
It's not a mental force. It's a, it's a force of the recreated human spirit. Faith is not intellect. Uh, Romans 10.10 says, For with the heart man believes. Faith is of the heart. It's, it's uh, not intellectually uh, activated. Faith is of the heart. Faith is the only way to successfully deal with the obstacles of life and to overcome our adversary, the devil. So, why does faith matter? Why is it important that the just live by faith? Well, for one thing, faith is the only way to live in victory and to overcome in this life. <coughs> and faith is the only way that we can receive from God uh, what he's already given us by his grace. So faith is the only way that we can receive from God. And this is why it's very important. We, we, didn't, we can't get saved without faith. We can't get healed without faith. We can't receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit without faith. We can't receive anything of God without faith. Now, it's also the only way to please him. You're getting ahead of me. <laughs> it's the only way to please him. Nancy's already ahead of me. <laughs> We're going to get to that. <laughs> Romans 10.8 says, But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. So Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote a third from a half to a half of the New Testament, he said that he was a faith preacher. Paul was a faith preacher. Jesus was a faith preacher. Jesus emphasized faith in his teaching ministry, and this is why we emphasize faith today. Romans 12.3 says, God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Some translations say a measure of faith. Um, but when it talks about every man here, this is not talking about every man or woman in the whole world. Because 2 Thessalonians 3.2 says, all men have not faith. So this is talking about every born again believer has been given the measure of faith. And God didn't give one person a big measure and another person a medium sized measure and another person a small measure. We've all been given the measure of faith. If I was standing up here with a, you know, like a soup ladle, and I, you were all coming down the line, and I dipped out a ladle of, of soup for each one of you, you'd all get the same measure, because I'm using the same scoop. Now, if I used a teaspoon, for some people, they'd get a different measure. But if I'm using the same ladle, everybody's going to get the same measure that comes down the line. So God's given to all of us the measure of faith. 
And it's up to us. We're the ones that determine whether our faith gets stronger and grows or whether it gets weaker. So our faith doesn't just kind of sit there dormant necessarily. It either gets stronger or it gets weaker, depending on what we do to feed it and to exercise it. And one of the factors um, has to do with the value and the priority that we give the Word of God in our life and um, not only what we hear, but how we hear it and how determined we are to keep the devil from stealing it away from us. Um, so it's not just what we hear. We need, we need to hear by faith. And we need to place a great a value uh, and priority on the word of God that we hear. This is uh, part of what Jesus was teaching in the parable of the sower sows the word in Mark 4 and Matthew 13. Uh, he mentioned some heard the word and immediately Satan came to steal that word out of their heart. Others heard the word and they hung on to it for a while and then for various reasons, when the pressure got on, they let go of it. Then there was a group he called Good Ground, and they heard the word and received it, and they hung on to it. That, no devil's getting this, you know what I mean? They, they fought to hang on to it, and they didn't let the devil steal it. Now those two groups that let the word go, they received zero. They got no no return um, because the, the devil came and stole the word out of their heart. But the good ground, those that heard the word and, and received it and didn't let the devil steal it, they received 30, 60, 100 fold return. Well, 30, 60, 100 fold is a measure. Those are measures of return based on how these people valued the word and were determined to hang on to it and not let the devil steal it. Amen. So this is how two people can be sitting in the same room, listen to the same word, and one person says, wow, this is wonderful. I'm going to go out and I'm going to act on this right now. This is going to change my life. And the other person is sitting there next to them, and they're saying, oh, I think it's time for a nap. You know, I'm getting tired, I'm getting hungry, you know. They did not hear a word, you know. They didn't hear, they all heard the same message. They were sitting there in the same room. So it's not just what we hear, it's how we hear it. And we need to hear it by faith. So Jesus talked about people who had great faith. He talked about people who had little faith. And he talked about people who had no faith. Uh, in 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 3, I don't have a slide for all these, but you, you can just jot down these as we go. 2 Thessalonians 1.3, Paul wrote to those believers and he said, Your faith grows exceedingly. Let's say that together. My faith grows exceedingly. One more time. My faith grows exceedingly. Amen. So why does God require us to live by faith? Uh, one reason, number one, faith is the way God operates. 
Faith is the way God lives. The lifestyle of living by faith. And this is something that God has chosen, not men. This is not some movement begun by a group of people. Uh, God originated this in the eons of time. And this is something God has chosen. So we'll just look at several examples. So faith is the way God operates. Uh, let's turn to Genesis because you might just want to underline something there. Genesis 1 gives us an example of how God operates. This is how God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Does it say we crawled up out of the primordial slime and uh, evolved from an amoeba or something? It says God created the heavens and the earth. And verse 3, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. In the Hebrew it says, Light be, and light was. Light be, and light was. And if you go on and you read through this whole uh, chapter, everywhere you find the word, And God said, underlined it. And God said, and it was so. And God said, and it was so. And God said, and it was good. God said, God said, God said. This is how God operates. He lives by faith. He conceived in his heart, in his spirit, how he wanted the earth and the heavens to be. He, he conceived this, and then he spoke it out in the form of words. And these words contained... Uh, the faith of God and, and what God had in his spirit concerning the heavens and the earth. So God releases his faith through words. And this is how we're to release our faith through our words. So that uh, it, everything, God took something you can't see to, uh, in the form of words being spoken, create something that you can see. So this is how... This is how we're to operate as well. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So we'll look at a couple of more verses. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Psalm 33, 6. So this tells us again uh, how God released his faith in the word form of words and speaking his faith. Uh, in Psalm 33, 6, in verse 9, For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. So this is how God operates. Um, one more example. Through faith we understand the worlds were framed by a big bang. Is that what it says? No. Through faith, we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So the heavens and the earth did not come about as the result of some molecules and chemical gases that just happened to collide together out in space somewhere, and poof, here we are. No, God created 
God created, uh, and he, uh, he released his faith in his words. Amen. Let me find my... Hallelujah. So God lives and operates by faith. He doesn't operate in fear or unbelief. Ephesians 5.1. Let's turn over there. Ephesians 5.1. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Now this word followers in the Greek is the word mimetes, and it's where we get the English word to mimic or to imitate somebody. Uh, the, the Amplified Bible brings this out. The Amplified translation says, therefore become imitators of God. Copy him and follow his example. As well-beloved children imitate their father. So this word... Uh, imitate or mimic is used in the context of following a mentor um, one who sets a proper example and the supreme example our supreme example of living by faith is God himself so God is never defeated he's always victorious he never responds in fear or unbelief God doesn't make decisions according to how he feels or what he sees, and he's called us, his children, to imitate him and to follow him uh, in this lifestyle of living by faith. So God said the just, the righteous ones, shall live by faith. Malachi 3.6 says, I am the Lord, I change not. So God's not about to change. And having operated by faith throughout eternity past, God's not going to change now or ever for any reason. Uh, he's not going to accommodate our preferences or our current culture. Uh, and bes you know, besides that point, if something has worked for millennia and thousands of years, why change now, <laughs> you know? So God's not about to change the way he operates. And he, he requires us to live by faith. Uh, he wants us as his family on the earth to, to walk uh, in agreement and to live out uh, his will, his plans, and his purposes for our life on the earth. And, and that's going to require faith to do that. So let's say this together. The just shall live by faith. Faith is how our Father operates. Amen. So we mentioned 2 Corinthians 5, 7. We walk by faith and not by sight. Now the word walk here involves steps. Steps of faith. And in Romans 4 it talks about Abraham the steps of our uh, father Abraham, 
how he took steps of faith. God leads us in steps. Uh, it takes some faith to step out in a direction and, and go uh, into an area you've never been to before, believe God for something you've never believed before, or to do something that you've never done before. This requires faith. And we see Abraham's beginning in Genesis 12 where God told him, leave your father and your mother and go to a land that I will show you. And, and uh, that's all the word, that's the only word Abraham had. God didn't show him step one through 10. And he doesn't show us step one through 10. He shows us one step. And then we take that step, believing he'll show us the next step. And this is the way Abraham had to proceed. He took one step, not knowing where he was going, and then he just had to trust God that when he got, we took that one step, then God would show him the next step. And one step would lead to the next step, and, and uh, God would move him and us into a position where we were with the right people in the right place, uh, the right environment for his will to come to pass in our lives. So everybody say steps of faith. Steps, steps of faith. Notice it doesn't say leaps of faith. <laughs> it doesn't say leaps of faith. So to walk by faith, it requires us to trust God and believe that He's leading us to a good place and not a bad place. And it, it will take us closer and closer to God's uh, purpose and plan for our life that he's prepared for us here on the earth. And this is God's will for all men for all time. So the second reason that God requires us to walk by faith is what Nancy says. Faith is the only way to please God. This is the second reason why the just shall live by faith. Faith is the only way to please God. And in Hebrews 11:5, it says, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found, because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Okay. So notice the words here, must believe. Must believe. In this context, from God's point of view, faith is not an option, really. Faith is not optional. Uh, and this doesn't imply that God's harsh or mean or demanding or anything, but it's for our benefit. That's why he desires it. That's why he's made it uh, really mandatory is it for it's for our good it's for our benefit it doesn't please God if we're not receiving uh, all the um, you know all that he's already provided for us through the death burial and resurrection of Jesus he, he's made he's given us free gifts and it doesn't please him 
if we're in, in a position where we can't receive them. So it's going to require us to exercise faith. Galatians 2.20 I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Let's say that together. Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Uh, notice he says, I now live in the flesh. So he's talking about right now. Right now, Christ lives in me. Right now, I live by the faith of the Son of God. He's not talking about sometime in the future. He's talking about now because he says, I now live in the flesh. So he's talking about right now. Verse 21 goes on to say, I do not frustrate the grace of God. So right after he talks about uh, uh, living right now in the flesh, living by the faith of the Son of God, the next thing he says is, I do not frustrate the grace of God. Now the word frustrate in the dictionary means to prevent a plan or attempted action from progressing, succeeding, or being fulfilled. To prevent a plan or attempted action from progressing, succeeding, or being fulfilled. And God is a giver. He's the greatest giver. And it, uh, it does not please him, or you could say it frustrates him, when we're not receiving uh, from him. We're not receiving what he's already provided for us to have. For example, you know, if you spent several days shopping and cooking and cleaning house and going to great preparation to have guests, and at the last minute they phoned up and said, we're not coming for whatever reason, you know, that would be frustrating, wouldn't it? You know, and that's just a small example. Uh, you know, or if you went to a lot of trouble to pick out a special gift for someone and you wrapped it up really nicely and you took it to them and, and said, you know, knocked on the door, the Lord just put it on my heart to give this to you and I just want to bless you, you know, and they say, oh no, I, I couldn't take that. I mean, that's just too much. You know, I, I just couldn't receive that. And I've had it happen to me. And it is frustrating. Because, you, you know, if the Lord puts something on your heart to bless someone, um, and, and they say, oh, I, I couldn't take that. That's just too much, you know. Um, it, it is frustrating. So these, these are just little examples. But you can see uh, how God feels. I, I actually had, I had this kind of happen with my nephew once. He was just a little toddler, uh, you know, and I took him shopping. And I was willing to spend like $100 on him. And he came back, we came back with two plastic water pistols for 89 cents, you know. Of course, he was too little to conceive that he wasn't paying for this. I was paying for it, and he could have had anything in that toy shop he wanted. But you can see how God looks at us. We're not paying for it. He's already paid for it, and we can have it all. And we're saying, oh, no, I, I couldn't take that, you know. And when I was on the plane coming back to England, I was just thinking about that shopping trip, you know. And, and I thought, 
you know, he came back with two water pistols, and he could have had, you know, some big toy, and you know, I was willing to spend like a hundred dollars or something. And the Lord said, now you know how I feel. <laughs> no? So, so it's frustrating to God when we fail to receive what he wants to bless us with. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 3, there are two times there in that chapter where it says God was grieved or he was not pleased because the first generation of Israelites failed to uh, go into the promised land. They, they did not trust God. They did not believe God. And as a result, they failed to receive this inheritance that God had already prepared and ordained for them to enjoy. And the Bible says God was grieved and he was not pleased. Twice in Hebrews 3. So God's not pleased if we're not overcoming the devil. He's not pleased if we're being defeated and, and the, the, you know, the devil's running over us. And he's not pleased if we're suffering physically or financially and our needs are not met. And if you're a parent, you know, or a grandparent or even have nieces and nephews or, you know, uh, you understand that. It wouldn't please you. Uh, if your kids were living in circumstances like that, especially when you've already made provision, uh, you know, for them to have a good life, you know, an abundant life. So you can understand that as a natural parent. And God's no different. In Matthew 7, 11, in the passage, uh, Passion Translation, it says, if you imp imperfect as you are, Know how to lovingly take care of your children and give them what's best. How much more ready is your heavenly Father to give wonderful things or gifts to those who ask him? So this, this reveals the heart of God. It makes God happy to bless us. It blesses him uh, to see us overcoming, victorious, and successful. So God's no different from a natural parent. Now this is something religion does not teach. <laughs> religion does not teach this, that God, uh, it blesses God, to, uh, it makes God happy to, to, for you to be blessed and successful and victorious. You don't really hear that in religious circles. Uh, of course it does please God when we obey his word. That's, that's all part of being blessed, but Religion pretty much teaches just do the best you can to keep this list of do's and don'ts. Um, but Bible faith is a lifestyle. It's the way we live day in, day out, what we believe day in and day out, what we speak day in and day out. Uh, we pray in faith. We pray over our families and over ourselves in faith. We give in faith. We make our plans in faith. If somebody asks you a question, you answer in faith. Amen? It may shock them, but anyway, you answer in faith. Uh, faith is convinced that we're going to overcome and we're going to be victorious in this situation. This is the spirit of faith, that we are going to overcome, we're going to be victorious over every circumstance. Let's say this together. The spirit of faith is the spirit of victory. The spirit of faith 
It's the spirit of victory. Now we know that Jesus lived by faith. In John 8, 29, Jesus said, I do always those things that please my Father. I do always uh, those things that please him. In Matthew 3, uh, where Jesus was water baptized and then the Holy Spirit, he was filled with the Holy Spirit at the same time and this audible voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son, uh, hear ye him, in whom I am well pleased. So we know Jesus uh, lived a life of faith because he pleased the Father, it pleased him. Uh, the, his lifestyle pleased the Father because he lived by faith. He taught by faith, he laid hands on the sick by faith, and he only spoke words of faith. And that's what we're gonna do too, amen? We're only gonna speak words of faith, we're gonna lay hands on the sick in faith, and they're gonna recover, amen? amen. Hallelujah. So faith uh, determined his actions, his speaking, and his believing. He went to the cross by faith and he believed the word of God that in three days he would rise from the dead and he did. But he had to believe God. He had to trust God that, that God knew what he was doing, you know. He had to, he had to believe God that this is, this is going to work and I will rise from the dead in three days and he did. So Hebrews 10.38, where we started, uh, says God is not pleased when we draw back. God's not pleased when we draw back. So he's not pleased if we don't receive what he's freely given. Now, I think we're still in Ephesians. Uh, just turn back the page, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says... Um, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So notice it says, by grace you're saved through faith. So the grace of God has saved us. Or you could say he's redeemed us, but he has saved us. What are we saved from? Well, we're saved from being lost and separated from God. We're saved from getting sick and dying young. We're saved from condemnation. We're saved from lack and insufficiency. And not only has God saved us from some terrible things, he saved or redeemed us into some wonderful things. The new birth, right standing with God, the baptism in the Holy Spirit and His gifts, divine health and divine life, total prosperity, whole man, spirit, soul, body, financially, socially, total prosperity, peace of mind. So the grace of God is everything God has already given us. 
By grace, God has already given us all these things. It's a free gift. We didn't earn it, and we didn't deserve it. God just wanted to do it because he loved us. It's nothing that we did. That's, that's what Paul's saying here. Not of works, lest any man should boast. God loved us. That's why he wanted to do it. It pleased him. And it pleases him now for us to walk in all of these things he's already provided for us. And unfortunately, many Christians are not living and, and enjoying a lot of these benefits and privileges that God's already made uh, possible for us to have. And the only way we find out about them is through the Word. This is why it is so important that we sit under the Word of God. This is the will of God. And, and, and you know, uh, what is it, Hosea 4, 6 says, My people perish for lack of knowledge. Many Christians are perishing and they're suffering in many ways, but just because they lack knowledge of what God's already done for us and how to receive it. That's why we emphasize so much about faith. That's why Jesus emphasized and Paul emphasized faith so much. So grace is God's part. That's what God did for us. He made all these, he made the new birth available. Divine health, total prosperity, abundant life. That's God's part. Faith is our part. Faith, we have, now we have to receive and possess by faith what God has freely given us. So it's not all grace and it's not all faith. God's done his part. Now we have to develop our faith and receive what he's already given us. Number three, why the just shall live by faith. Faith is the only way to receive what God has already given us. And this is where many Christians are missing out. Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Notice, underline that phrase, we have access by faith into this grace. This is how we access the grace of God. This is, faith is how we access what God has already given us what he's already purchased for us through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So it's by faith. Faith gives us access to all that God's provided. It's available. Grace has made all this available, but we're only going to experience it by uh, learning how to receive it by faith. So that's what we're doing. Thank you, Lord. There's a, an extreme doctrine out there, an extreme doctrine of sovereignty uh, in some Christian circles that uh, it's all up to God. You know, what you have, what you don't have, it's just up to God. Uh, if, if somebody gets healed, well, it must have been the will of God. If they don't get healed, it must not have been the will of God. So they determine the will of God by somebody's experience 
or their own results and not by the word of God and not by the will of God. They don't even take faith into account at all. They don't take any personal faith into account, just, you know, it's, it's all up to God and uh, we're just kind of passive bystanders and what happens happens and God had some mysterious purpose in it, you know. Uh, this is, this is a, a popular doctrine in some circles and, um, you know, it's error because we must examine everything we believe according to the scriptures. Uh, that mentality places all the responsibility on God um, when it's really, it's both of us working together. God's done his part, but we have to receive by faith what he's already done. And it's not just dumping it all on God and say, well, God, if you want me to have this, I'll have it. No, it doesn't work that way. Uh, James 2.26 says, Faith without works or corresponding action is dead faith. Faith is not passive. It's not inactive. Faith is not doing nothing and just leaving it all up to God. We have to believe his word. We have to hear his word. Um, and and it's not just, uh, it's not just, is not just sitting back and saying, well, I'm just leaving it, I'm just going to cast this over on God, and if he wants me to have it, I'll have it. No, if what we cast on God and let go of and let him have it is our care and our worry and our anxiety. That's what we care, that's what he said. Cast, he said, let me have that. Just cast that over onto me. But as far as receiving from God, we don't just, Say, okay, God, if, you know, it's up to you. Where's the line between doing it because it's works and doing it because you believe in it? Well, how does, you know how sometimes you can do it because you know that's what you should be doing, but then that can be sometimes to do with works. Does that make Well, uh, work, I think works is like striving. You're, you're getting ahead of God and you're trying to make something happen. Whereas um, there is action involved, but it's all based on, on the trusting God. You know, it's all based on trusting God and as opposed to not trusting God and I better, I better, uh, I'm panicking here, I better do something because I'm not quite sure if God's going to come through here. That, that kind of thing, you know. So, so there is action involved in, in faith, though. If we really believe, we, we will act on it. We'll take a step. Um, yeah. Amen. You, you mentioned earlier that uh, Ephesians 2, verse 8, and then later you also included 9. Mm -hmm. If you went on to 10, it says in Ephesians 2, 10, for we are his workmanship. Yep. created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So there is something we have to do. We mm. have to walk in them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there, there is a, we do have a part. Yeah, amen. Amen. Praise God. So, um, so it, it requires somebody with faith to rise up and say, this is mine. This is mine. God has already provided this for me. 
and I'm having it. And no demon is going to stop me. Now that's a, another point. <laughs> that leads into another, another point we're going to get into here in just a minute. But, um, you know, if somebody says, God save me, how's God going to answer a prayer like that? He's, he, he can't answer prayer he's already done. You know, he can't answer something he's already done and he's already provided for. Uh, so it, Jesus is not going back to the cross. God, there's nothing else left for God on God's part for anybody to be saved. Now all it requires is somebody in faith rises up and says, I believe that. I believe Jesus died for my sins. I believe he, he took my sins. And, and I'm exercising faith in that. And I believe that if I confess with my heart, uh, you know, Jesus has been raised from the dead, I will be saved. And they, they put faith in that. That's, that's all that's required. It's very simple. But there's nothing else for God to do. So, so when, we, when we say, Lord, save so-and-so, that's, that's total waste of time. There's nothing else God is going to do to save someone. Now what we pray in faith is, the word says, uh, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he may send labors across their path. So now we pray, Lord, send labors across the path of Uncle So-and-So. Uh, we bind up the devil from blinding him to the truth of your word. Uh, we, we, I pray the eyes of his understanding will be open to the gospel of Jesus. And there are people out there that he will listen to. He may not listen to me, but bring these labors across their, across their path and get, and get them into uh, an environment where they will believe, they'll just receive what Jesus has already done for them. So, so that's the way we approach that. So the new birth, healing, baptism in the Holy Spirit, having our needs met, it just requires somebody to rise up in faith and receive it. Hallelujah. So, uh, 1 Timothy 6.12, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life. Now this talks more about how, how to receive. Let's, let's read this together. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life. Underline the words, lay hold. Lay hold. That's a lot different from leaving it all up to God, isn't it? Yes. Lay hold is a lot different from saying, well, Lord, if, if it's your will, then that'll be fine with me, you know? Fight is not a passive word. Fight is an action word. And of course, we're not talking about fighting physically. We're not talking about fighting people. We're not talking about fighting God. God's not withholding any good thing. Fight implies some conflict. And the fight is with our adversary, the devil, whose job description is to kill, steal, and to destroy. We're fighting to overcome him when he comes to resist us. So when, when he says, fight the good fight of faith, it doesn't say, Fight the good fight of faith. Let God do it. 
It says, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold. So we find, we, we begin to, we find a promise in the word. We believe God for something good. We know he wants us to have it because he's already said it in his word. And we lay hold of this thing and the devil is going to come try to wrestle it away from you. Lay hold is the opposite of doing nothing. So we're laying hold of what God has already given us by grace. Anything you find in the word that God has promised. And whenever we, we lay hold, we say, this is mine, this belongs to me. I lay hold of it. I believe I receive it. The devil is not just going to sit on the side passively and lay down and just let us walk off and be blessed without a fight. He's going to try to wrestle it away from you. And the primary way he does it is through thoughts and feelings. Yes. Primarily he uses thoughts and feelings what you see and what you hear in order to try to convince you to give up and quit. He doesn't have a whole lot of tactics. His, his strategy is pretty limited. He, so this is pretty much the same operation, but he'll disguise it from time to time, you know, but it's pretty much the same deal. He tries to get us into fear and doubt and uh, try to wrestle that blessing away from us. The first generation of Israelites that God delivered out of Egypt and he already prepared this promised land. Their promised land was a geographical location. That was a geographical location that God wanted them to actually go to, move into. And he, I believe he has geographical locations for us too, for us to be in, amen? good places around good people but our promised land is all that God has provided us in his word his exceeding great and precious promises this is our promised land we don't we're not just confined to a, a geographical location like the Israelites we got the whole deal we got everything they had plus all the benefits of the new covenant they were not even born again people so, um, but the point is, those people had to fight. There were giants in that land. Even though God had already provided, he ordained, uh, it was a good land, I want you to go there, I want to bless you, this is the way I want you to live. Uh, but there were giants there. They had opposition, uh, trying to keep them out. And uh, so not only did they have to fight physical giants, our, our giants are pretty much thoughts and uh, feelings and what we see in here. That's pretty much the giants that we have to, to deal with. But uh, those, those people, the Israelites, they also had to fight giants of fear and unbelief and they didn't defeat those giants. Those are the giants they didn't defeat. And they, they got overcome by fear and unbelief. They lost that battle, and they did not enter in. And that's what we mention in Hebrews 3, where it says God was grieved and he was not pleased because they, they failed to enter in into their inheritance. 
And God didn't, he didn't want that for us. And we don't want it. We don't want to fail to, to enter in. So the, the devil will try to talk you out of it. Maybe it's not God's will for you to have it. All these kinds of thoughts and feelings. But living by faith does not include quitting. You remember our main text scripture, Hebrews 10:38. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But it doesn't stop there. It goes on to verse 39. Let's turn over there. We can't stop at 38. We got to read the we got to read the uh, the next verse as well. But if any man draw back, my soul have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back. Amen? We are not of them who draw back. Let's say that together. We are not of them who draw back. One more time. We are not of them who draw back. Amen. So faith says, this is mine. I believe I receive it. Faith, uh, faith resists these thoughts and feelings. Uh, every wrong thought and every wrong feeling. This is what we have to resist uh, in order to become an overcomer. This is how we overcome. So we please, we are one who pleases God. We do not draw back. We, we resist the devil. We lay hold. Amen. We fight the good fight of faith and we lay hold of all that grace has already provided for us. We get our prayers answered. We receive healing and divine health. We get our material and financial needs met. We receive success promotion and blessing amen and this is how we do it praise god so let's say this together i'm a faith child of a faith god i'm going to please god i'm going to function by faith all day long i don't care what i see i don't care what i hear I don't care what the report says. I believe I receive. I'm going to think faith. Talk faith. Walk faith. This is how I lay hold. Amen.